welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of JTI Polska and Jakubowski. The citation for this case is 2023 UKSC 19. This week we are looking at an interesting case that examines when the Supreme Court should choose to overrule a previous judgment from the top court in the UK. The actual circumstances of the case involve Jakubowski, who are road hauliers based in Poland. Meanwhile, JTI are a company that buys and sells tobacco products across the world. Originally, the idea was very simple. JTI contracted to have Jakubowski transport cigarettes from Poland to England. Unfortunately, while the lorry was parked up at a motorway service station in England, a gang of thieves stole 289 cases of cigarettes with a market value north of £70,000, excluding excise duty. Furthermore, a European excise duty suspension arrangement meant that the theft was regarded as an event releasing the consignment for commercial consumption, and therefore triggering an excise duty of nearly £450,000. Now, the agreement was subject to the 1956 Convention on the Contract for the International Carriage of Goods by Road, which does also apply in domestic law thanks to implementation by Parliament. That convention allowed the cigarette company to claim compensation from the haulier, and that claim was settled in respect of everything except for the excise duty. JTI claimed this on the basis that Article 23.4 of the Convention tells us that in the case of loss of goods, a claimant may claim, quote, carriage charges, customs duties, and other charges incurred in respect of the carriage of goods, end quote. The problem is that across different states that are signed up to the convention, these other charges have been interpreted in different ways. Some countries favour a broad interpretation that does include being able to claim the excise duty, while others take a more narrow approach so that only charges that would have been incurred if the carriage of goods had been performed without incident could be claimed. For the UK's part, the 1970 case of James Buchanan and Company Limited and Babco Forwarding and Shipping UK Limited, the House of Lords held that the broad interpretation should be adopted. This would force Jakubowski to pay out a lot more money And so when the case went before the High Court, they made an interesting argument. They agreed that the binding precedent of Buchanan meant that the judge was bound to find against them. But they argued that this decision was wrong and should be departed from. As such, they applied for a certificate so that they could appeal directly to the Supreme Court. That certificate was granted, and so that is where we pick things up. The justices began by considering the interpretation of international agreements, and noted that since Buchanan was decided, there has been a greater focus on the rules of interpretation that can be found in Articles 31 and 32 of the Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties 1969. Specifically, Article 31 focuses on the ordinary meaning of terms used within the particular context, while Article 32 allows for recourse to supplementary materials when it comes to interpretation, including preparatory notes from before the treaty was formally written up. The problem for the appellants was that there was not really any supplementary material for the 1956 convention. They tried to identify some materials that they argued should be treated as supplementary, but even these did not give a clear indication of what the correct interpretation is 
or should be. The Supreme Court then moved on to the 1966 practice statement, which is the authority for the top court overruling itself. Generally, the court will abide by its own decisions, but exceptions can be made when, for example, previous decisions impede the development of the law, lead to results which are contrary to public policy, create uncertainty, work unjustly, or if there has since the decision been a change of circumstances. However, the court will not be likely to overrule a previous decision when it merely involves a question of interpretation, because this just involves looking at the words, and it is often the case that more than one approach will be tenable, even if one of the sides does not like the outcome. Coming back to the appellant's case, and you will remember that they argued the decision in Buchanan should be abandoned, and the UK should instead take a narrow interpretation of the relevant words in the convention. Despite this being a question of interpretation, they predicated their argument on a number of reasons. Firstly, a number of other jurisdictions have also adopted the narrow approach. There has also been academic criticism of the decision in Buchanan. That decision also has been criticised by the Court of Appeal in the 2003 case of Sanderman. The ordinary meaning of other charges in this context should lead to that conclusion. The preparatory work around the convention leads to the same conclusion. And the narrow approach is also taken in a related convention about the carriage of goods by rail. Unfortunately for Jakubowski, while there are good arguments in favour of the narrow interpretation, the broad interpretation from Buchanan does remain tenable and is the preferred approach across a number of countries, including Denmark, the Czech Republic and Italy. Indeed, it is hard to say that a loss which occurs as a result from the road carriage is not then connected with that carriage. That interpretation does also appear to line up with other parts of the convention as well. One of the interesting arguments raised by the appellants was that the practice statement should be invoked because of the uncertainty in the law created after the Court of Appeal in Sanderman said that Buchanan should not be applied any more widely than needs be. The problem was that this uncertainty comes from the Sandman decision, and it was deemed inappropriate for the Court of Appeal to speak in this way. Furthermore, any of the academic disapproval of Buchanan demonstrated by the appellants was not especially powerful or unanimous in its voice. Looking at varying decisions from across Europe, it is clear that there is no real consensus when it comes to interpretation. Any final decision when it comes to interpretation should come from an amendment to the convention, rather than use of the practice statement by the Supreme Court. Overall, I think that this is a fascinating case for students, because when you're looking at the practice statement, there is often a heavy focus on times when the House of Lords or the Supreme Court has changed its mind. But it is equally informative to look at the cases where the court has stood its ground. If the court was looking at this question fresh today, without any earlier precedents, then it is not impossible, and even quite likely, that they would have adopted the narrow interpretation. However, that is not the case, and instead there has to be a good reason to overturn Buchanan. Now, there are arguments that perhaps the Supreme Court should be more ready to change its mind instead of requiring such persuasive reasons. If the narrow approach is more widely accepted and makes a bit more sense in a commercial setting, then why not just change the law? 
Unfortunately, this would only serve to promote uncertainty and just makes it that much harder to take commercial decisions if it is possible that the courts will just change their mind. Instead, changes should ideally come from the appropriate lawmaking body, and the Supreme Court should only step in when it is absolutely necessary to do so. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. It does take a lot of work to make the podcast and also produce the newsletter that goes out to subscribers each week. And if you would like to help support the podcast and keep it ad-free, then the best way that you can do that is to subscribe to the newsletter. And there are various tiers that you can do so. If you would just like to be a free subscriber, then that's absolutely fine. And you'll still get an email from me each week that um, tells you about a new episode of the podcast and also talks about a legal story that's been in the news that week and you'll get the roundup of legal stories that comes out on Friday. Um, If you are in a financial position to support the podcast and the newsletter though um, that is always hugely appreciated and there are paid options and there's bonuses associated with that. You won't just only get um, more content from me each week in the form of newsletters Um, But you'll also get a free ebook on how to answer essay questions in a law exam. And I know with uh, exams perhaps uh, either just gone or perhaps just starting for some people, um, that might be quite interesting and popular. So there's a couple of options. You can just sign up for a month, get the free ebook, and then sign away again. Or if you'd like to make a further commitment, there is a discount available if you'd like to sign up to the newsletter for the year. Um, Obviously, in last week, we were talking a lot about Boris Johnson and everything that's been going on with the Partygate scandal and the report from the Privileges Committee. So um, if you do subscribe, then you can always catch up with that by going to uklawweekly.substack.com. And there is a link to that in the description to this episode. So if you do want to support it, then definitely check out the link if you haven't already done so. Become a free subscriber. And if you really like it, then maybe you'll consider becoming a paid subscriber later on. Okay, that is enough self-permission and advertisement from me. I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye.